Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode one, two, three. Always got to like those fun number occurrences. So if you want to listen to this one as well as our other episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a nice rating and all that good stuff. So... Uh, we are short one podcaster today, but we shall march on. So let me bring in uh, the other two fellows, Sam Lepresti. Hello, Sam. Thank you, Danny. I, we are back like David S. Pumpkins was back last night yes. on uh, on SNL. Now, I need, to ask you, I, I need to ask you this, Samuel, since it's obviously yes. been a, a, a very good sports period for you outside of the team we talk about on this podcast. Indeed. What have you done? Did you shift all of your good Juventus vibes onto your two favorite Philadelphia teams? Uh, no, not really, because I never had any expectations that the Phillies would be doing this right now. And your hand egg team is undefeated. Yeah, uh. and yeah, I didn't have any expectations on them either. I thought Jalen Hurts was going to be terrible. Um, yeah, I, I literally had zero expectations going into the playoffs for the Phillies. And yet here we are. <laughs> and I had zero expectations for the Eagles going into the, the NFL season. And yet here we are. Yeah, I really, uh, it wasn't me. Yes. It wasn't me. All right. Well, now that we've got that settled, we can bring in Chucks. Hello, Chucks. On location, far away from his usual podcasting room. Yeah, yeah. All the way in uh, in uh, somewhat dreary North Carolina, actually. Uh, <laughs> a little... Uh, little uh, wet and uh, dreary day today but um yes in uh, north carolina for about a day and a half or so and uh yeah you mentioned the um podcast uh, number to one two three uh i believe that is a britney spears song isn't it one two three you would you would know better yeah. than i would Chucks. yeah yeah so you know just a little yeah, pop schoolhouse culture rock reference. It, it's, schoolhouse rock is in there it's like you yeah, know yeah so uh, you know a little bit of pop culture uh, homework for our listeners to do there you go well we are without sergio this week as he is very much uh, enjoying the the atmosphere at the Mexican Grand Prix. Unfortunately, the race was about as interesting as Juventus's games this week, but thankfully he was there and has been talking nonstop about the atmosphere that they have. So at least that part was good. So we will uh, we will be Sergio list this week, but we will still have our takeaways. So Samuel, what do you have for us? The the word just keeps coming that keeps coming back to me this week is Nadir. I mean the way that you know, the way that the Benfica game went through, like I wasn't expecting to was not, can't even say I wasn't hundred percent expecting. I was not expecting period to win the Benfica game. I wasn't expecting it to be that bad. And then, you know, the, the, the Lecce game, just watching this odd tactical configuration that Allegri decided to try out and watch it repeatedly fail when, the, and the solution was right there and he didn't go to it. It just felt just like dead man's floating at the bottom and not really getting any sort of an updraft to get back up. It was just the exact same thing. At least the kids played. Now, I don't know if you picked up on this, Chucks, but the the range of Sam's tone from talking about his good sports teams <laughs> to talking about Juventus <laughs> just now, it was very happy <laughs> to very not happy. Yeah, quite the uh, vocal intonation there. That's uh, that's the beauty of uh, audio and audio-based platform. We can just really detect those, uh, you know, uh, ups and downs in the vocal, uh, yeah, the vocal tone. So, uh, yeah, well spotted. <laughs> 
What do you got for it, Stucks? Uh, yeah, really. I mean, my takeaway is that I'm running out of takeaways um, <laughs> for the Juve um, on a week-to-week basis. I, I mean, I'm genuinely running out of things to, yeah, to say about the team. Uh, you know, Danny, you mentioned just before uh, before we started recording about just, a, you know, an issue on social media um, and just about how, like, you it's hard for you even like with the the post game threads just to like talk about the same thing over and over again with with Allegri anyway just about his tactics and just you know what new are we going to say it's like again we're not even halfway the season and i really feel like i'm running out of things to say because it's just the same stuff every week and it's just i don't know i mean what i'm just really running out of ideas i i just yeah it's hard for me to figure out what to say and uh we still got more than halfway to half the season to go, so um, I better come up with some ideas because I am running. It's funny dry. because I de- I definitely reached that point last year, but as you're alluding to, it was much later in the season. Mm. We just saw Juventus play their twelfth league game, so they're not even a third of the way, or they're basically a third of the way through the league schedule. And yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, I mean, twelve league games plus uh, yeah, was it five Champions League games? So seventeen games. I mean, we're not even at the twenty mark yet. And I mean, I don't know usually in the season is what I mean. You have thirty-eight league games, and then well, clearly not many Champions League games anymore. But yeah, a few Coppa Italia games here and there. So I don't know. You have like no forty-five, maybe fifty-ish games, uh, just club games, and then obviously you know international games and stuff. So I mean, that's. You know, like I said, yeah, not even halfway to season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's just, it really just shows the the situation we're in right now with Juve. It's just quite literally, it's just the same stuff week in, week out. And I mean, it just dulls your mind into kind of submissiveness, I guess, or into into what do I say ness. Um, and I guess uh, you know the only kind of new takeaway question mark um, that I can mention is just the accumulation of injuries. Again, that's you know something you mentioned uh, before we start recording. Um, just the quite staggering accumulation of injuries. You know, just we, before we start recording, we just heard about Weston McKenney and uh, the one standout player of of late, uh, Samuel Illing Jr being injured and granted it sounds like um samuel ailing jr's injury was an impact injury i guess from a tackle so yeah, you know I was... a really really dirty ass tackle yeah, too if yeah, you ask me yeah. like that was a red yeah i'm yeah, sorry yeah and you know so i always try and like distinguish between like impact injuries and you know just like muscle injuries which sounds like then mckinney's injury was more of a muscle or is a muscle injury so you know we have one muscle injury and one impact injury um, but yeah, just the, once again, this is something that happened last season too. Just the, I don't know, kind of slow creeping accumulation of injuries. Um, yeah. Cause we started the season pretty all right. I mean, just, you know, Chiesa and Pogba out and then um, Caillou Georgia, of course, being out with a long, long, long-term injury. Um, so, you know, it kind of felt okay. And then slowly it was one more and one more and then one more. And then just before you know it, I, I was like, wait, what, like, Almost half our team is out. Like it just felt like all of a sudden to me. There are there are thirteen players currently out injured for Juventus. Thirteen, yeah. which is just unacceptable. And yeah, some uh, some of them are you know. The, I thought it was twelve. It's thirteen with with Weston. It's thirteen. I had to double check. It's thirteen. There were ten yet. There were ten going into Lecce, and then Locatelli for personal reasons, and now right. thirteen. So yeah, it's it was just starting to get better a couple of weeks ago too. And yep. now all of a sudden, 
I mean, I was kind of counting Locatelli as like amongst the unavailables. Yeah. There were 10. So then you had 12 now. Who was the 13th? All right, let's list them off. Let's play the game. Okay. Who's injured at Juventus? All right, so we got... Federico Chiesa, Paul Pogba, Kyle George, Marley Ake, Angel Di Maria, Matteo De Chilio. Locatelli is unavailable at the moment. We'll, we'll throw him in there. McKenny, uh, Illing, Vlaovic. Paredes and Bremer. Paredes and Bremer. <laughs> That's 12, yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Kai George, yeah, Kai George Marliake. I'm just reading the list here. Oh wait, did we did we did we start? Did we already talk about Kai George? Uh, possibly. Sorry, <laughs> I, was, I don't know. I There's so many we can't remember. That's ridiculous. Anyway, really there, are a lot, ridiculous. there are a lot of people. There are too, a lot. <laughs> and this people. has been happening since last year because last year we were having the same exact issues. It happened a little later in the season than it did now, but this is just like obviously something is gone is going on somewhere in the team. In in the way the team prepares players, because like you and like you said, Chuck, the vast majority of these are muscle problems and and non contact problems. You know, Illing obviously a contact injury. Chiesa, fortunately or unfortunately, if you want to say that, for I, I guess you can say fortunately because it me, would mean that he's not necessarily prone to it. Was probably a an impact injury as well because he had that he got hit by that tackle by Smalling in that in the Roma game, but. So many of these are just are muscle injuries that happen, you know, non-contact guys pulling up. And so that there's there's something in the way that the team is working the players that's just making us this prone. Because at this point, it's got to be at this point, you can't say that it's just bad luck. This has been happening so consistently over two years now that, that something's got to be up. You mentioned that, and honestly, and this is why I keep Twitter open during a podcast reporting or recording, is that uh, <laughs> just now on the Gazetta website, guess who has picked up a muscle injury during his injury rehab? <laughs> Paul Pogba. Oh, yeah, figured, yeah, so uh, if you were hoping to see Paul Pogba before the World Cup break, if you were hoping to see Paul Pogba at the World Cup at this yeah, rate. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, there's another injury on top of an injury. And ironically, um, we also sent uh, Artur, uh, Artur Melo to Liverpool. We sent him there injured. <laughs> so there's hey, another. <laughs> Dennis Sicari is apparently still still healthy, but not playing. So yeah, yeah, who knows? Yeah. That is, uh, yeah. Yeah, but he wouldn't, uh, no, he's he wouldn't not. be playing no. in the right spot here anyway. No. He'd be playing as a striker. <laughs> why not i love how we're just completely avoiding getting down to the actual talking yeah. about yeah. the benfica exactly as i was about to say the, the elephant in the room has not been addressed yet and that is juventus is crashing out of the champions league in a pretty terrible fashion i mean i was i was busy doing something during the majority of the first half so i was kind of keeping one eye on what i was working on and one eye on juventus in the first half, and it was a case of all of a sudden they're down one nothing. Okay, then they tie it, and then about what five ten minutes later they're down three one. So it was, uh, yeah, on a night where Juventus had no other choice than to win to keep any semblance of Champions League hopes alive. They just absolutely sorry, Couch. They absolutely the bed, and it's just another case of what they've done pretty much the entire group stage so far. I mean, you know you. We talk about in the league how kind of 
things have stacked up one on top of each other. And that's why Juventus has has gotten to where they are, at least until the last few games when they've actually won three in a row. But in the group stage, I mean, it, it's been just terrible performance after terrible performance, the home game against Maccabi notwithstanding. And so now, as Sam thankfully reminded me uh, again, so we don't have to uh, have Sam recite it back this week, is that, you know, Juventus does have tiebreakers, the fourth or what feels like the millionth tiebreaker in their favor, thanks to PSG's big win over Maccabi on the same, later in the day Tuesday. And it's just, even now, as we sit here, you know, one, one group stage game to go, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen against PSG, so you can't be like, all right, well, it is the Europa League for sure, even though Juventus are probably, barring a, another complete disaster, heading to the Europa League. So we don't have our resident Europa League fan here, but man, this is, I don't know. I, In a way, I'd almost rather them not, I, I know obviously there are financial implications, but I'd almost rather them just not have European football next year, you know, in 2023 at all so that they can just focus on doing well in the league and try and get into fourth, knowing just how competitive the, it looks like the top six is proving to be come, uh, come the new year. I would think that if I had any confidence that the league would, that the league will get better with Allegri in charge at this rate, I say, just, you know, save face, save, try to save some face. Also just, I, I, I prefer that we go into the Europa League and save, try to save some face with a big, with a deeper run, maybe get guys a little bit more confident about European competition and bounce them back uh, for, for next year, hopefully. Yeah. It's, it's just a big problem, you know, and, and this is one of the things that, you know, Allegri was brought back in to renew the, to bring back the renewed sense of, you know, Juventus as Titans that they were when he was first here. But that, uh, on that level, he has so completely failed because that team went into that game scared. They went in scared. I'd never seen since the, the streak started a Juventus team go into a game where they were in such a must-win scenario and fold like that. I'd seen, you know, we've seen them go into must-win scenarios and fail. But that's that's completely different to going in and curling up into a ball like they did. And it comes down to Allegri because Allegri was the one who was coaching scared. He practically said it. He practically admitted it in his post-match where he said that his whole plan was to hold the line until the second half. And then when Benfica was tired, try to batter them down with Milik and with Miretti. And he said something similar against Lecce. He was holding back Fajoli until the until Lecce got tired, and and McKenny's injury only brought him in, you know, brought him in a little sooner. That that's not a coach that coaches. We, I, I've said this so many times before in the last year and a half. That's not a coach that's coaching to win. That's a coach that's coaching not to lose. Not even being proactive. Yeah, and so there comes a point where you just have to look at this, and even Andrea Agnelli at this point can't look at this and, and think that there's going to be a change because all Allegri does is approach teams that are in better form and, or are just plain better and set up shot and set up, set up a bus and hope that it doesn't fall over. And, and the, the team is psychologically responding to that because it's just that, that attitude of we will 
will hold the line and and hope for it later. It it just seeped into everything that the team did on the field. You know, they were timid. They were losing every duel. They were losing every 50-50. And it started to turn into a panic. And that's when the defense just started to crumble. The team has the absolute wrong attitude these days. And you have to ascribe that to the coach because you can't go into a must-win game regardless of who you're playing or where you're playing it, you know, with that kind of a thinking. Because you're going to get destroyed. And that's what happened. And, you know, the the final scoreline deeply flattered to deceive because there's just no, there's no other way to say it, that Juventus was crushed. And they were crushed in part because they were okay with being crushed. Because they looked to have gone in there thinking, this team can probably crush us. Let's hope that that doesn't happen. And it does. Yeah, I mean, Benfica also knew going into the game that they really, I mean, okay, they if they'd lost, like a lot had to happen for them to not qualify uh, for the next round. Um, so obviously they would have to, you know, lose the, the game on uh, Wednesday or Tuesday, I forget what day it was, lose that game. And then they also had to fail to then win the final game against Maccabi uh, Haifa. And then assuming that we then also beat uh, PSG. I mean, it was a lot. I mean, the stars had to align a lot for, you know, for us to go through there. So they knew that, I mean, yes, there's still pressure, but they knew that like it wasn't life or death pressure. And, you know, that kind of freedom just lets you play. I mean, just lets you play freely. They also are, are very much potential in the running to beat out PSG for the first spot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, it's funny, I, I just kind of off topic, but um, I totally forgot that um, their coach, Ro- Roger Smith, uh, was at PSV Eindhoven actually uh, last season. I was like, oh, yeah, of course, I forgot about him. Come on, where's um, your Dutch knowledge? Did... <laughs> yeah, he did, they did recently well, actually. I think he left by mutual consent. I don't think he got sacked or anything. And then, uh, well, Band of Man came in. Uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy is now coach there and uh, doing pretty reasonable. I mean, uh, definitely in the uh, title race and uh, just beat Arsenal. Uh, the other day so uh um, after i mean losing the first game but you know um doing quite well in europa league and in the, in the league as well so uh, well done psv and well done uh, van Nistelrooy. but yeah i mean just going back to benfica you know i i just feel like they went into the game with far less pressure than we did um knowing that i mean a draw would have just been just fine a win would have i mean obviously great and a loss would not have been the end of the world so they could just play freely they didn't play like they could just accept that result no, no, I mean, they went, you know, they went in, went going to play to win. I mean, honestly, they played like how Juventus should have played in terms of right, how they, right. in terms of their attitude and how they approached it. I mean, you look at it and like Sam was saying, you know, Allegri set up his team conservatively. You know, they, they, you know, essentially trying to grind down Benfica and try and hit him late, hoping that they were fatigued. And well, Benfica just came out and just stomped on Juventus in the first half. I mean, it was... Like I said, it was the exact opposite of kind of how you hoped both teams or how you would hope that Juventus would have set up. But I mean, I don't know. That's that's just the the fear I have for these next few games coming up is that Allegri will look at the injury situation. He'll look at his players available and even more than usual, it'll be like, all right, well, let's just set up shop and hope for the best. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, against Inter, who have feel like they're riding their ship, unfortunately, right before they get to us. You know, and and Marito Sarri's got Lazio going really well until this weekend. 
until this weekend. True, true. But but yeah, I mean those because those are those are going to be big games for getting into the top four next year. And there's really no hope I see right now of making of getting those results because unless Allegri just has a giant bowl of f- it, oh my, and and just says <laughs> you know all right we're gonna throw we're gonna throw everything to the wall and and see what happens. I mean it's I was somewhat glad that we had a situation on Saturday where, you know, you had guys like Matias Sule playing as opposed to, you know, Allegri doing something weird, like having, you know, playing a four, four, two with Rabio and McKenney on the outside wings and, and playing Danilo center mid, <laughs> like, you know, we, we saw the younger guys and that was, that was a nice thing to see, even if it was kind of out of necessity but you know unless Allegri starts showing signs that he really realizes that what kind of jeopardy he and this team are in and starts doing things a little differently you know Inter Lazio those could be those could be difficult games more difficult more so than they were already going to be and like we've said before I mean Juventus barring disaster will be in the Europa League when you're on that Thursday Sunday schedule for as long as you're in the Europa League I mean as Roma asked, you know, the Europa League teams from last year, how they handled it. I mean, it was just, it's not easy when you're, you know, basically, you know, especially now, you know, these days you're, you're traveling, you're getting back late, late Thursday night, Friday morning, and then you're having to turn around basically on one or two training sessions and play your next game. And as we know, there are very much big opponents waiting for Juventus, right? You know, that those first few weeks coming out of the World Cup break. And I mean, if they don't get some kind of form going, I mean, it, it's going to be a short Europa League stay because the Europa League isn't as bad as some people are making it out to be. No, 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 absolutely. It's not the reject league like it, you, essentially it was, you know, or, or you felt like it was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. yeah, that's the conference league now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, don't say that to don't say that to Brent. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they won the damn thing. Yeah, I mean, b- between the good teams that are in there now and the the teams that were go- that that are going to be dropping down with us potentially, you know, you're you're going to have uh, you know Barcelona's dropping down for the second straight year. Um, you've got. Uh, who else? It, uh, Atleti is going to be dropping down. Yeah, yeah, that was a comical. Um, end. Yep, just w- just waiting for Juventus to play Atleti because you know what's going to happen. It, yeah, it yeah. feels like it has to happen every year. Oh days. yeah, of course. Yeah. And Sevilla and, as well. You know, these are good teams. You know, Eintracht Frankfurt, who won the Europa League last year, they've got a a decent shot at at getting out of their group still, don't they? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Anyone can make it out of that group. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, I'm checking it. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're tied with Sporting, and uh, Spurs are. Wow, there's only two points separating that entire yeah, yeah, group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah anyone can make it out that group. Yeah, wide open. Yeah. It's, wow, uh, and and that's oh wow, and uh, and the last game is is Marseille versus Spurs, so that's Tudor versus Conte. Guy, <laughs> can you imagine if Juventus seized Conte at some point in the Europa League? Wow, yes. That would be that would be interesting. Especially given all the the talk about next season, you know, at this at this rate, Tottenham would rip us to shreds, and it would also be it would also be nuts with Kulusevski and Bentancourt uh, at the same time. 
Rodrigo Bent. I I know he he was my former large adult adopted son. Rodrigo Bentancur, not as bad as people made him out to be when he no, left. No, he Juventus. scored a goal in the Europa League. Uh, it, it's week. shocking what a little bit of confidence from your manager can do for a young player. Yeah. Yeah, and that also kind of brings us back to like the injury situation, where it's like you know you have all these former players talking about I like these training methods. And, you know, at first I was like, ah, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, talk smack when you're gone. Okay. It's like, you know, you break up with someone and then, you you know, you're talking all this like smack about your ex. And, ah, okay. Okay. But, you know, now that it's, I mean, it's a lot of players. I mean, a lot of, obviously the lift was the main one, but I think even Kulusevsky also made some comments about Allegri, Allegri's training methods. I want to say Ben Tankur as well. And, and I just remember just over the last year or two, just, yeah, a bunch of former players talking about critically talking about the training methods and well, and again, I mean that's not exactly like this. That's kind of a topic we were talking about earlier about the the injuries, but probably also kind of relates to you know training in terms of okay the physical strain and just the injuries, but then also maybe just the tactics and just the playing style and you know where where players are playing. I mean, this has been a running theme now of us saying oh team would be demonstrably better without new players if you just played everyone in their correct positions there's been a lot of critique of course on McKenney, some of it justified but i mean a lot of it is just okay if we can actually play him you know i don't know six consecutive games in his actual correct position then i mean maybe then we would have a fair test to actually analyze his his performances and his abilities so uh yeah, I know. That's just, you know, speaking of former players, just with Ben Tankur and Kulusevsky, that just kind of came to my mind of, uh, you know, obviously Kulusevsky had just an amazing run of form until he got injured uh, just recently with Spurs. And Ben Tankur's, you know, also been very impressive and, yeah, scored two and two. Two very important goals, actually. I mean, and guess yeah. who was just the MVP in Bayern's last Champions League game? Oh, yeah, the list, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which granted, I mean, which such a team. Hey, I mean, in hindsight, I know, and I know we took advantage of your your Dutch skills. Those words from Matthias Delict over the summer about things before he obviously went to Bayern. Those are looking more and more reflective of the whole Juventus situation right now, aren't they? Yeah, and I always and, argued, and someone did, I mean, I forget who it was. Someone disagreed with me on on this on the on the website on the on the comment section which you know is fine i mean disagreements are fine but i i had said that in my opinion i thought that the lift just left for purely sporting reasons i yeah i thought like I just agree. based i think he just saw it and he's just like look i just think this team is not good enough and it's yeah. it's like i i'm on an upward trajectory in my career and this team is on a downward trajectory so. and guess what byron <laughs> yeah he's right. Good. And he's right juventus is not <laughs> I, I think more importantly then this team is not good enough right now is was that the lick I think was thinking and I don't see how they get to that point in the short you know in the short term oh yeah. absolutely absolutely yeah. and he was right and I don't think he left for money or anything no, he yeah no for- he lost he lost faith in the project yeah, yeah. that's a, that's abundantly clear and that's the big that's the big worry about you know for guys like Flavic guys like Chiesa are yeah. they going to lose? Are they going to similarly lose faith in the project? And are they going to, you know, is is holding on to them going to be more and more difficult as yeah. as time goes on if we stay in this rut? Yeah, because then it becomes a spiral. You know, it just becomes like, you know, players don't believe in the project, then they leave, and then new top level players think, well, you know, if they're leaving, then 
would I want to yeah. come join it? And then new top players want, and you know, it just keeps going on and on. It, it kind of reminds me of like, um, I mean, so I live in Ohio and like, you know, the Midwest and you know, the, the rust belt and all that. And I mean, the city I live in was, you know, typical Midwestern city where you had GM there for decades and decades, you know, they employed like, I don't know, 50, 60% of the city and then they left and then all the jobs left. And then from that huge hole there, I mean, new companies were reluctant to come, you know, to come to uh, the city because they're like well i mean you know there's not much happening there and then that that's kind of a spiral then if you know one big company doesn't want to go then other big ones will be like well i mean i'm not going to go then either and then i'm not going to go and you know that kind of spiral that just i think that's kind of a yeah you've events situation reminds me kind of of that very difficult spiral to get out of and just a very i think in economics it's called like a first mover advantage or disadvantage or something like that but basically the first mover problem like who's going to make the first move and and um, and knowing knowing how you know the likes of lavich and chiesa and locatelli and a few other guys who have signed in recent years have essentially held out for a move to juventus it's like how much is you know these last couple of years how much are they really gonna affect players thinking of like do i really want to hold out for juventus because, I mean, you know, Vlaovic obviously had at least one Premier League offer from Arsenal that we know about. And knowing what not only Juventus's financial situation is, Europa League or otherwise, and how much Vlaovic is going to be worth to a Premier League club, uh, knowing how much money they have. it's like Especially well, if he starts banging things yeah, around I mean, in the World Cup. I mean, just imagine if Vlaovic has a huge World Cup what the rumors are going to be like, whether they have any, any standing to them at all, or they're just the sun and daily mail and whatever, just doing their usual thing day after day, you know, it's, it's going to make you think it's like, okay, well, if there's even a small chance that Volovich could leave, I'm not, maybe not so worried about Chiesa because he's, he's, you know, it seems like the Italians are a different case than, than others, but you know, those guys who, who held out for Juventus, are they still going to be there? I mean, you're not going to have a case of you know somebody like Paul Pogba who grew basically grew up as a player at Juventus, can't you know basically blossom as a player at Juventus, became Paul Pogba at Juventus, and then has that attachment to come back. And you know, just looking at it, it's like how as as Sam said, you know, that short term fix that's that's not there. So what other than Juventus being the name, what is the attraction to Juventus right now? I don't know. I mean, Max Allegri isn't exactly a, a manager that i would think <laughs> you know younger players in this day and age would want to play for knowing that you know if you you come from a, a team like say i don't know Swasolo or wherever where you're you're playing attacking you know aggressive football and then you just come to juve and it's like all right guys well let's try and win one nothing every week <laughs> I, I don't know say what you want about some of the signings that that inner have made but i don't know at least they at least they try and score more than one goal <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> I think the attraction becomes uh, for young players, w- kind of with something to prove early on in their careers. Like, okay, you know, if I can make it, because I mean, okay, I mean, on one hand, I think we're not really a big club anymore. Sporting wise, we're not really a big club anymore. But I mean, name wise, I guess we still 
Yeah. It's sort I mean, of that. Name, you know, rec- name, name recognition yeah. is really the only thing Juventus has going for it. These right, days. right, right. That kind of brand. Ooh, the brand. Ooh, <laughs> uh, that word, the brand. Oh, I mean, <laughs> but, yeah. you look at it, hey, how much how much of a hit has the brand taken yeah, yeah. with Allegri's return and knowing how Allegri's return has gone? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that the attraction, and like you said, Chucks, it, it would have to be with young players trying to make a name for themselves right. or or players or, or reclamation projects or, or right. something of that nature. But the attraction would have to be, do you want to be the guys that bring Juventus back? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That kind of like, oh, I'm going to be the hero. That savior complex kind of like, yeah, I'm going to be the hero. And and frankly, as we saw in the Lecce game, sometimes you just have to look within to that because what we have right now in terms of Juventinita seems to be coming from the academy kids. You know, there was Fajoli after an absolutely stunning goal. We haven't talked about this goal enough because it was like, it was, a, it, it was, you know, watching that goal, you look and you're like, Ale, is that you? <laughs> I thought you were in LA. And, you know, th- that it was absolutely a, a, one of the prettiest goals that Juventus has scored in a couple of years, let's be frank. And he... You know, after he he ran to the bench and all of a sudden he just broke down crying and kissing the badge and, you know, had to basically be held up by his teammates for a couple of seconds because the emotion of it all, you know, was it was overwhelming. And that's the that's the kind of of sense of being Juventus that you that you want. And, you know, maybe it's time that, you know, with this this reclamation project. It you know it's time for the Fajolis, the Rovellas, the Mirettis, the the Illings, the Sules to be the ones that do it. Yeah, I, I saw a few people like you know this is it shows <laughs> without any context of and I who knows how much they know about Nicolo Fajoli at all. <laughs> it's like you know this is kind of like you know the celebration shows just kind of how far Juventus has fallen because you've got this guy celebrating this goal against this big celebration be scoring a goal against late chance. Like one, look at the goal he scored. Secondly, and as I, we know, I mean, Fajoli was celebrating goals as a ball boy against <laughs> inner right before lockdown. He is Juventino to the core. So for him to basically score that goal, have it be his first senior team goal and know that he joined Juventus as what a 13, 14 year old, I think. Uh-huh. It, it means a lot. I mean, it, it, we don't get a lot of boyhood Juventinos on this squad anymore. You know, there's only so many Claudio Marquisios to come through the, the system. But yeah, I mean, to see that reaction to that kind of goal from a homegrown player, I mean, it, yeah, like Sam said, it just, it, it was great to see. And it was great to see that emotion and just show that, I mean, yeah, you're going to celebrate every goal, but I mean, just show that it meant a little bit more than just a goal. Yeah, and and you can see this, and you see similar things like at at Chelsea. Like right now, the current core of that Chelsea team came up through the academy after they had their transfer ban, and they had to rely on that on those guys. And now you've got guys like Mount and Reese James. The team that 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 blitzed us last year at Stanford Bridge had what I think four academy products in their starting eleven, and I think six or seven of them eventually played. Two or three more came off the bench, and look where Chelsea are right now. It really is time the 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 time to, especially since 
with the next gen, let's call it that. Why the hell not? <laughs> Branding, baby. <laughs> Branding. With the, with the next gen, it does seem like all of a sudden we are starting to put out, we're starting to put out a bunch of players that you really can look at them and see them in the Juventus first team. Whereas, you know, before, you know, you'd get a, the occasional guy in the Primavera that would just be uh, like one of those guys who was the, who was the left back that was on loan somewhere and Rajan Nangolan destroyed him. I can see his face. I know who you're talking about. I'm blanking out on his name. Oh, was it Paul Lirola? No, 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 no. Italian kid. I think his last name started with an M. Uh, I'm I'm blanking. But but like, you know, you'd you'd get like a flash in the pan like that, and then they'd go out on loan, and then that would be it. Whereas now with with the next gen, you are getting players in who are making a bit of a name for themselves wearing a Juve kit, you know, in the third tier. And you know, hey, the last year these kids straight up almost made it to the you know, they made it to what the quarterfinals of the promotion playoff. I believe so, yeah. yeah I think so. Yeah. Like, you know, that wasn't nothing. And they and they did so by beating a couple of teams that had really done a number on them during the regular season. It is starting to produce some results of having a a really stick potentially a really steady stream of good players that are more prepared in first team professional football. And I, th- I think it's, it, we have to start using it. I think also now is that time, I guess the right time you could say maybe with, you know, senior play- players really just kind of aging out of the squad now. I mean, Bonucci is clearly, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's clearly kind of at the end of, if not this season, just wait until that contract season. extension happens. Oh God forbid! Yeah, God forbid. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Someone like Bonucci. I mean, he's clearly just you know done. Cuadrado and Sandro. I mean, again, they're also reaching, if not this season, next season, just kind of the end of their careers. So you know, you have that those senior players kind of aging out of the squad, plus financial constraints. Lord knows we're. I mean, I don't know, bleeding money more than. And a tech startup in the first two years. Hell, we're bleeding more money than Uber. God, I mean, and now that's a lot of money. They are burning through VC cash like crazy. <laughs> bleeding more money than bleeding more money than Kanye West. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Boy. Oh man. Ooh, yeah, that's a that's one. We will not. We will um, not be going to Skechers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, with the financial constraints, and then like at least three senior players, pretty important senior players, aging out of the squad. I think. I mean, that leaves. I mean, at least those spots open there for, you know, a Primavera player to step up and take that spot. I mean, very much the case now is that the kids are having to do stuff because there's just nobody else to play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. I so, mean, you yeah, look at it that's... and Juventus's current, you know, the midfielders who are currently available for PSG, you would think are what? Probably Locatelli comes back, Miretti, Fagioli, and Rabio. Is that it, right? Central midfielders, yeah. So yeah, it's it. like, you know, there unless no, say, Locatelli like, like, might be back from his Yeah. I mean un- unless Allegri gets a wild hair up his nose and goes to Neil <laughs> as a as a holding mid again, it's like hey <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At least at least one of Meretti and Orfajoli will probably be starting. Right. Which sure. Hey, honestly, with how this season has gone, I'm all for it. Get you know, whether it's Meretti or Fagioli, both of them get them at least the experience of playing against one of the most talented teams in the world. Yeah. Yep. And once again, I mean, there just barely are any options. So, I mean, yeah. And I, at least, I mean, at least 
playing Rabio, I mean, at least he has had a pretty good season so far. So that's, you know, that is a positive. That's right. All righty. Well, let's wrap this up with a couple of Twitter questions here. First one from at Daniel Roy, 1995. Why is Jay medical so bad at keeping players fit? I blame it on the banks. Your guess is as good as mine. It's this economy. I'm telling you. If I knew if I knew anything about how that worked, I would I would be railing about it, but I I have no idea. All I can do is just stand to gape at this point. Yes. Inflation. 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 That's right. Um, no, I mean in all seriousness, to be fair, there are a lot of World Cup players kind of dropping out injured uh, the last two or three weeks or so. Yeah, that 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 team. is this fixture congestion just from from the last couple of years because of yeah. the pandemic does certainly have a factor here, but it's also happening to Juve at a rate even greater than almost every other team. So at the at at the at some point you just have to look and go, what the hell is going on there, as opposed to everywhere else. And once again, if it's more muscle injuries than impact injuries, then there's definitely a yeah, and that's for concern. This is not the first time that Juventus has been in this situation within the yeah. last twelve months. Yep. So it's not just a coincidence anymore, by any means. Yeah, it's a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, it's unfortunately. Yeah, kind of going off of what we were just talking about a minute ago from Ahmed Dineds. I hope I am sure I butchered that. Uh, shouldn't young players kick the veteran players off of the starting lineup with when they outperform them by miles? It will raise the youngsters' confidence and light a fire under the veterans' asses to work hard <laughs> and get back into the starting 11. Isn't that how this works, or am I just a nut? Uh, it, it's how it works everywhere except Italy. <laughs> and, 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 oh, Italy. and, you know, that's what a succession of Italian national team coaches have been have have been upset about for 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 gosh knows how long because the Italian because the the clubs aren't producing any young Italians to go to the national team and it's it's something that I've been I've been railing about this I talked I wrote pieces about this while I was writing at Bleacher Report and I haven't been there since 2016 Italy just for whatever reason the big clubs don't trust their young players and and maybe with Juve in the financial straits that they're in right now and in the, the situation right now that they'll be forced to it. And that will be a happy byproduct of the trouble that they're in right now. But that's just the way things are done in Italy. I remember covering Bleacher Report, uh, covering covering Bleacher Report for AC Milan, covering AC <laughs> Milan for uh, covering AC Milan for Bleacher Report during my time there. And it was the exact same thing. I remember a. I remember the uh, when Manuel Locatelli came through their academy, and started playing a, the odd first team game here or there. But at the same time, they were still giving the majority of their midfield time to guys like Michael Essi and and Solimentari. Huh. This is this is just the way in Italy, and it's infuriating. But it it doesn't seem to be changing anytime soon. And it's just, especially the way in Italy with a manager like Allegri, who very much became a manager during that time. Yeah, and and he's he even said, I remember last year, and I remember writing about this and blasting him for it. He talked about he he gave a, an interview saying, you know, this is the proper way. The progression is that you go out on loan to Serie C, and then you go out on loan to Serie B, and then you go out on loan to a lower level Serie A team, and then maybe you're ready to play for Juventus when that way of thinking is so antiquated but that that's like i said you know italy is 
if there's one thing about Italy that in all levels of life that you can that that will be a forever constant, it is inertia. Huh. Things do not change in Italy, uh, uh, with the exception of governments, <laughs> and or just risk aversion, I guess. And right. and 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 it takes a whole lot for things to change in Italy. Usually, a, a major combination of time and impetus. And I, I sure hope that that's coming in in Italian soccer in general and in for Juve in particular soon, because man, it, it, they, they can't keep continuing like this. Well, hopefully Serie A doesn't go the way of the current, uh, the new Italian government. Let's just oh, yeah. <laughs> leave it, leave it at that. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. I'm, I'm not particularly worried about the new Italian government because I figured there will be another new Italian government in about 18 months. So it's not going to be, <laughs> or, or maybe like, days. or maybe like, uh, like what in the, in in the United Kingdom, uh, all yeah. a new government in four to six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> all right, last yeah. last Twitter question here from at Juve Analytics. After the start of the season, what would you consider a success at the end of the season? What would be an average slash good result, and what would be a disaster? Uh, an average slash good result would be somehow getting back into the top four by the end of the year. Yes. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That, that that at this point that is the top that that is your top end result at this point and a disaster is being outside of the champions league really because you cannot it it cannot be overstated how much being in the champions league next year is going to affect the finances of this team and what might have to happen next summer and and what players might have to get sold it could set it, it you you don't make the champions league next year you you could see the rebuild of this team set back by year by multiple years. I think an extraordinary result would be winning the Europa League and Coppa Italia. That would be, I think, extraordinary. Shooting <laughs> for the stars. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, that would be extraordinary. Um, <laughs> but more realistically, indeed, would be top four and maybe deep run into both Coppa and the Europa League if we make it. If we make it. The, the, yeah, and the Coppa Italia. That's its own little. That's its own thing. Yeah, I mean it's a lottery. I always it's, call it, it really. A lottery. Yeah, it really is a. It, it really is a crapshoot. So that it is a realistic. It is a realistic goal to win the jet the, the Coppa Italia just because. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You know. Yeah. Can't wait for Max Allegri to win the Coppa Italia this season and buy himself another year at Juventus. All right. God, <laughs> God, God willing, he's not going to be the one coaching the Coppa Italia games <laughs> after the World Cup, but. Paulo Montero, Copa Italia champion. All right. Hey, man. I mean, did you? I mean, I, I I pointed this out in my match recap for a bit, the Benfica game. Paulo Montero's Primavera was playing in the UEFA Youth League right before the yes. the main game. They went down two nil and ended up winning that game three two. So if that if that goes to show you anything, is just how the differences are right now between the youth the the youth sectors. And and what's going on with the first team? Speaking of first teams, uh, there is actually one Juventus team that's doing well in the Champions League. That's not the men. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Joe's up to his old tricks again with the with the women's team and uh, taking points off the reigning Champions League holders is uh it's pretty good. Amen to that. All righty, well. That wraps things up for this week. We always appreciate your Twitter questions. If you want to send them in to us, feel free to do so at Juventus Nation on Twitter. Uh, follow us there as well as on Facebook and Instagram. I know we've been 
slacking a little bit, but our number one Instagram guy is currently Formula Oneing. So <laughs> follow his personal feed <laughs> if you want Instagram posts. Uh, if you want to follow us there as well as on our on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, if you do listen. On Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a rating and all of those good things. So, for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, and producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. 